Chapter Thirty Two of Marion, the Story of an Artist's Model, by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Chapter Thirty Two. There was a rap on my door. I opened it, and there was Benvenuto. He had on a black suit. It looked like the suits the poor French Canadians dressed their dead in. He had plastered his hair so sleekly that it shone like a piece of black satin, and oh, he did smell of barber soap and perfume. His big black eyes were shining, and he was smiling all over his face. Where is your mandolin? I asked. I have called to see you, he answered. Me, I am not musician tonight. Then, as he saw my evident disappointment, he said, But if I am not welcome for myself, I can go. I felt really sorry for him, as his smiling face had become so suddenly mournful and stormy-looking. So I said, Oh, I'm really glad to see you. And I tried to smile as if I were. He came up to me with a kind of rush and said excitedly, Marion, I love you, I love you, I love you. Give me the smile again. That smile is like music to me. I love you. I was amazed and also alarmed. Mr. Benvenuto, I said, backing away from him, please go away. I thought of what Miss Darling had said, that Italian men were not to be played with. I had merely smiled at Benny, with what a volcanic result. He was coming nearer and nearer to me, and he kept talking all the time in his soft, pleading way. Marion, I have love you from the first day I have look at you. You look alike my countrywomen, Marion. We will get a married. Soon I will make plenty money. We will have maybe little house and little baby. I could stand it no longer. He was only a boy, after all, and somehow he made me think of the little beggar boy I had pinched when I gave him the bread and sugar. I pushed him away from me, and I said, Don't talk such foolishness. I'm old enough to be your mother. I think I was about three years older than he. No matter, Marion, he said. No matter. I do not care if you are so old. I love you just same. I was sidling round along the wall, and now I had reached the door. I ran down the stairs, and I did not stop till I reached the safety of Miss Darling's room. "'What on earth is the matter?' she cried as I burst in. Between laughter and tears, I repeated the interview. She couldn't help laughing at me, especially when I told her about the part of the little baby. Then she said, "'Well, we'll get him out now, but—' You must never, never flirt with an Italian. You're apt to be killed if you do. Later in the evening, Jimmy came. He was very quiet and queer for Jimmy, and he sat down on my window sill and held his head in his hands. When I told him about Benvenuto, he looked up and said, The damn little rat! I'll throw him out of the window. After a moment he said, Come over here, Marion. I want to tell you something. I sat down on the opposite side of the window seat. Say, Marion, 
there's a hell of a row going on up at my house about you sis kicked up an awful fuss and they're all on to my coming to see you sis declared i insulted her friend because i took you home instead and mother is mad too they make me sick mother asked me where your folks lived and what you were living alone like this for and they insinuated some nasty things lord women have rotten minds i told them that you were a hard little worker and then they wanted to know what you did and i told them you were a model and that i was proud of it but gosh you ought to have heard those women when i told them that they almost burst themselves mouthing about it i turned on them and told them not one of them could be a model they didn't have the looks but the long and short of it is that mother has telegraphed for dad and she says she won't give me another cent unless i promise to give you up as i needed a ten spot i said i would but you better believe i'm not going to do it i stood up and put my hand on jimmy's shoulder somehow i felt older than jimmy though we were about of an age he seemed such a boy so wayward and reckless and there was so much that was lovable about him despite his toughness jimmy dear i said i guess your mother's right you'd better give me up it'll only make trouble for you if you keep on coming to see me tell you what i'll do said jimmy i'll quit college and get a job of some sort then i'll be independent and i'll come to see you all i damn please and i'm going to marry you whether they want me to or not i thought of jimmy's happy-go-lucky nature and his love of drink and i determined the poor fellow should not lose the help of his family if i could avoid it we took a little walk around the block i urging jimmy all the time to please do what his people wished and i even told him that while i was fond of him i did not love him he said savagely that he guessed i had left my heart in montreal and then he pulled his cap down over his eyes and didn't say anything for a long time we just tramped around and then jimmy said suddenly say marion why doesn't he come on here and marry you if he loves you is it lack of money prevents him i said i don't want to marry him that's the reason why how i wish that was the truth well say girlie let's you and i get married on the q t then i'll go west as they're talking of shunting me out there and as soon as i've made good you can join me how's that for a scheme it sounds pretty nice jimmy but i'd rather do the marrying after you've made good oh it'll be dead easy declared jimmy i've an uncle out there with a ranch as big as a whole country it'll just be like dropping into a soft snap don't you see i sighed making good isn't merely dropping into soft snaps jimmy i said sadly jimmy suddenly whistled under his breath and i saw him looking at a couple of women who were coming toward us he raised his hat as they passed us but although the younger women returned his bow the older one stared at him indignantly and then she gave me a very severe and condemning glance all of a sudden i knew who that woman was i recognized her by her hat she was jimmy's mother the following day i had a letter from her she said i was ruining her son's future 
and if I did not give him up, he would soon be without a home. She said that he was in serious trouble with his father, and that the latter intended to send him out west, and that she hoped I would do nothing to prevent her son from going. Finally, she said that if her son were to marry a model, the family would never forgive him, and that such a disgrace would break all of their hearts, besides ruining him. I did not answer her letter. I sat for a very long time thinking about my life. What was there wrong about being a model, then, that society should have cast the bar sinister upon it? Surely there was no disgrace in one who had beauty having that beauty transferred to canvas. I had long ago ceased to despise the profession myself. The more I posed, the more I felt even a sort of pride in my work, though I still thought one was beyond the pale when one posed completely nude. Miss Darling knocked at my door, and brought in a telegram. I thought at first it was from Reggie, that he was at last coming, as he had been threatening in all of his letters to do. And my hands were trembling when I broke the flap. But it was from poor Jimmy, Jimmy, en route to Colorado, entreating me to write to him, and assuring me that he never would forget his own little Marion, and that he would make good, and I'd be proud of him yet. I sat down to write an impulsive answer to the boy, and then my eye fell upon his mother's letter. No, I would not ruin her son's life. Jimmy should have his opportunity. But I said to myself with a sob, And if Jimmy ever does make good, they'll have me to thank for it, even if I am an artist's model. End of chapter 32 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.